This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast, Episode 78. Hey, podcast listeners, welcome back to the show. I'm so glad that you're here. This is Casey, your host, positive discipline trainer, parent coach, podcast hostess with the mostest. I'm super excited for the show today. My guest is Jason Freelo, and he is local to the Seattle area. He is an activist. He's an amazing human doing really important work for parents and families in our area and beyond. I was had a total public radio moment where I was driving home and this story came on about this guy who was teaching classes to white parents about how to talk about race and racism with their children. And I was floored. I was so excited by the things he was saying that I sat in my driveway until the segment was over and then I got online and I found his name and I totally stalked him online until I found some contact information for him because I think this is a really, really important conversation for us to be having. I am a middle-class white woman and I know that many of you that are listening are white moms and I think that the more that we can talk about how we can do better around raising our kids in treating others with equal dignity and respect, the better our future society, world, community, neighborhoods, cities, states will be. And I know there's a lot of really hot debate right now alive in our country if we're talking about the United States. I know that I'm not assuming that every person that is listening to this show shares all the same lenses that I share when I look at the world. Um, I know that you're here for parenting help. I acknowledge that. And I don't feel like I can pretend that the state of the world as it is in this moment isn't happening. So I'm not going to do that. You will hear references to the current political climate. Um, and it's important because it's real. It's alive for so many of us. And at the very basic level, the messaging of this podcast is around being in relationship, 
with the other humans in our life. It's about treating people with dignity and respect because simply because they're humans. And I don't know any other topic that hits that as hard as what you're going to be listening to Jason and I talk about today. So I'm just going to invite you into the messiness of it. And you might notice emotion show up for you as you listen to us talk. I definitely had a, a variety of emotions show up in our conversation. There are some really interesting, um, there's some really powerful self-reflection that we can all do about the way that we're showing up in our world and how we're contributing to the current climate that um, can push us into action if we let it. If we can wade through how uncomfortable it feels to recognize that we are a part of the problem, if we can move through that discomfort and um, step away from excuses and blame and really move into action for making things better, we are a force that can be reckoned with, right? Or can't be reckoned with. I don't really know how to use that word. Uh, but anyway, I it is my great, great pleasure to invite you into this conversation um, and to have all the feels that you feels <laughs> that you feels and to at the end, uh, let me know what you're taking away. Let me know what you're taking away because uh, this is a conversation that we all need to be having. So I'm super excited to introduce you to my guest, Jason Freelo. Hey there, Jason. Welcome to the Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast. Thanks, Casey. It's good to be here. I'm so glad that you are. Please share with the listeners about your journey of doing what you do. So about two years ago, I was having a drink with a friend, um, another mother, and she told me a story about her her son, her her little boy, maybe five or six years old. They were on a, a city bus and um, there's a lot of black and brown, brown people on the bus. He's a little white boy. And he said, Mama, we're on the scary bus. Mm-hmm. And she was horrified. She um, asked him what she what he meant by that. And, you know, sure enough, uh, he, he meant that he was on the black and brown people bus. And, you know, she's a um, you know, I know her. She's a good, progressive, loving mother, um, always march on Martin, marches on Martin Luther King Day, um, even has books full of um, black and brown people. She really has made an effort to teach her son that everyone is valuable, that everyone mm-hmm. should be treated the same, that everyone should be treated equally. And um, yet and still, he had this um, belief that being on this on the bus with black and brown people made that bus the scary bus. And um, she, she didn't know where that came from. And, and quite honestly, I didn't know either. I, I had an idea. Um, so we, we kind of went on this journey together to, to find out. Um, we, we researched and we looked and we looked and we looked for um, research on um, racial identity development in young children. Mm-hmm. And, and the fact of the matter is, is that there, there wasn't a lot of it. Um, but we knew that, um, you know, we weren't the only ones that, with this question. So we started uh, talking to kids about race workshop. And uh, when we first started, uh, there was a lot of um, cross-racial adoptees, white fam- white parents with mm-hmm. children of color that were coming to the events. But um, 
you know, as the world changed, as the program advanced, um, it became larger and larger and larger. And we, 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 we caught our stride and it's become this, um, thing, which it is today where we focus upon, uh, the stories that we don't know that we're telling our children. So we've, um, gathered, uh, uh, fine, fine group of speakers and educators that uh, deliver content both for the children and for the adults at the same time. And, um, you know, we talk about racial identity development. We talk about the problems with colorblindness and we talk about narratives and counter narratives, uh, the stories that we don't know that we're telling our children that are essentially teaching our children, um, our white children to be racist and our black and brown children that they're not valuable. And of course, we know that none of us, none of us, I have never met a parent, white, brown or otherwise, that wanted to teach their children to be racist. But um, the fact of the matter is, is that if we don't interrupt these stories that we're telling our children, then that's that's just what's going to happen. Yeah. So I love that you started with that story, Jason, because we live out, we live in Monroe, which is not probably not terribly far from you, but it's definitely out farther in the country and, um, you know, very lacking in diversity. And I remember we have a story like that where my husband was at the hardware store in one of the small towns in our valley with my son and two black men walked in and in, you know, the, the, <laughs> the bluntness of children, he says, well, what are they doing here? (laughs) And I think it was just this contrast, right? Because of where we live and what he does and doesn't see. It was startling. Well, I don't know if startling is the right word, but he was really like, what are they doing here? And then, but I think what shows up then is this incredible discomfort on the part of Uh the parent, right? Because it's like, well, and I'm, I'm sure my husband handled it beautifully. He told me, he's like, well, they're probably here to get a tool, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and on one hand, it's like everybody gets tools. On the other hand, it's like, how am I supposed to have this big conversation with my child about race? And that wasn't a very nice thing to say. And but it was innocent. And I mean, it just the spin out that can happen in the mind is so uncomfortable for the parent that I think. I I wonder how many of us just kind of avoid or glaze over because we want to get it right and we don't know how. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, really, the glazing over is the most common response, but it's the worst possible one. Mm -hmm. Like, we we can't glaze over it. It, It's, um, you know, white people are very uncomfortable talking about race. Um, Yeah. And, and it's because it's the one area in, in life where white people don't, aren't, aren't in charge, where like there's this, there's this knowledge that like, that there's something wrong here, like that, that that there, that there's something that isn't right here. And, and we don't, white people don't quite understand what it is, but they know that there's something that isn't right. And because of that, there's this, um, desire there's this desire that we have as parents and mm-hmm. as humans really to keep ourselves as comfortable as possible so when this when this thing comes up that we've been told in our lives over and over and over again that um, we don't talk about it um, we we can't say anything about it this it, you know we're, we're never supposed to say oh that's a black person or oh those are white people we we shush our kids we avoid it we glaze over it we make jokes and um what that tells our kids is that 
oh, you know, race isn't something that we talk about. And, and when we do that, what we're doing is we're unintentionally telling them that things are OK as they are, mm. that we don't need to change anything, that um, that the that the social order of things. The, and this is what um, this is what your son was observing. This mm-hmm. is what uh, my friend's son was observing, that there is a social order to things. Kids see that very early. And what we're telling them, especially when we tell our little white kids this, is that this social order is just the way that it is. We don't Mm -hmm. talk about that social order. We don't try to correct this social order. We don't bring up the social order. It is essentially a caste system that we have, that we have allowed to exist by not pointing it out and talking about it. Yeah. So in that, in, in your friend's son's situation or in my son's situation, what is a counter, what is a response? What's a different, what's a better response? (laughs) Is that a big question? (laughs) Yeah, it is a big question. And it's, it's the, the response is to produce a world and a place and a society where your kids don't ask that type of question. Yeah. Yeah. Where where you surround your children, where we surround our children with different stories and Mm -hmm. different ways of looking at the world so that those stories so that that type of thing doesn't come up now that that's a lot more difficult than just giving a, you know, this is what you say to your child in that situation. Totally. Like that, that's that what I'm suggesting is much more difficult and takes much more work. But it it, like that's that's the right answer that like that it'll so when 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 I get that question typically what the goal is is to bring us back to a place of comfort right like (laughs) like so so the uh so the kid is asking this question we don't like what this question reveals about the world we don't like what this question reveals about our parenting we don't like what this question reveals about our our children so we're like ah uh Let's just get back to a place where everything is okay again. And that's not what we're going for here. What we're going for here is real change. Mm -hmm. What we're going for here is a real conversation that is messy. And what it means is diving deeper into that discomfort, diving deeper into thinking about, wait, so I know that it's not, it's not your boy's fault that he asked that question. Like he was observing something about the world that has always been there. Mm -hmm. It's not your fault that your son is asking that question, but you certainly have a role to play in it. Mm-hmm. You have a role in correcting it. It's not the store's fault mm-hmm. that your son asked that question, but they certainly have a role in it, in the problem, and they have a role in correcting it. Everyone has a role to play in correcting this problem. Yeah. And what, the, what we as parents have to do is figure out what our role is in correcting that problem and do our small part to correcting it. Yeah. And you mentioned equality earlier. So and I'm, I'm so we talked a little bit about this before I hit record, but I would love for you to tease out the two words equality versus equity for the people that are listening, because, you know, if we're going to have a vision, if we're going to have a vision of dignity and respect for all humans, um, equality and equity are actually two different things. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know if any of your um, 
listeners have ever seen it, but there's this this really piffy little picture, and it's a um, a fence, and it's got three people standing on the fence, and some people have got like a, a booster so that they can see over the fence, and then others have a slightly smaller booster, and another one has no booster at all. Mm-hmm. So equality is saying that everyone is being treated the same uh, by um, having the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. And, and the reality is, is that like everyone doesn't, we, we, none of us have started with the exact same thing. Right. So like it, it works. All men are treated, uh, created equal, that everyone is treated the same, that um, if we just treat everyone equally, then we'll have equal res- results. That, that denies the two, 200 years of oppression right. <laughs> that, that, um, that doesn't acknowledge the history and the stories of this country about the way that people of color are, are treated. And so it, it, it's kind of like um, putting blinders on. It's, it's putting our hands over our ears and screaming that that everyone is treated the same, that, that everything is okay. It's saying that things don't need to be different. And the, the good thing about what's happening now is that people are slowly starting to recognize that that the way things are are not acceptable, mm-hmm. that the way things are, that, that things really do need to change. When, when we talk about equality, um, what we're saying is it, it, it's a convenient way to, um, to pass the buck, to pass the responsibility from me as a white people person or me as white society onto people of color for, um, you know, unequal outcomes and oppression. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is to say, um, like, and for to take the example of the black people walking into the store. So if we believe that, you know, that like I, I'm not racist. I, I see. I don't even see color. I'm colorblind. Mm-hmm. So when those black people walk into the store and you see them, you go, oh, what are they doing here? But if you believe that you're colorblind, you're, then you're not going to acknowledge that it's because they're black that you're feeling that that discomfort. You're going to say, oh. You know what? It's because they were wearing um, the wrong clothes. Mm -hmm. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God. Spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well-being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 35 different meal choices, and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. 
Hey friends, as a podcast listener myself, I always get so excited to share when I find a new show that I think is super useful. So today I want to tell you about Understood Explains. This is a podcast that tackles one important topic per season. And this season is all about navigating individualized education plans and is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Ertube. Getting the support our kids need in school can feel tricky, and we aren't always sure what it is that they need. When I listened to the episode titled, Does My Child Need an IEP? It offered up so much useful information that I could really see supporting parents who are in this consideration. The host is so knowledgeable and really breaks down the content in a way that helps listener go from completely overwhelmed to actually starting to feel empowered. Other episodes in the series highlight the difference between IEPs and 504 plans, as well as a whole episode that busts common myths about special education. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Understood Explains. So check it out. You won't be sorry. It's because they were speaking loudly. It's because of this. It's because of that. And and there's never an acknowledgement of racism. Right. And racism is America's original sin. Like that. Like it is a, as American as anything else is racism. Yeah. But it's the one thing that we we have not really spoken about in a in a in a real way. We leave it to Martin Luther King to talk to us about it. We. Uh, Leave it to Malcolm X for us to talk about it. And um, and we talk about it as if it was something that occurred in the past. We talk about it as something that is occurs separate from us individually. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't ever talk about it in like in a real and present way as as in racism affects and impacts the way that I live my life every single day. It affects and impacts the way that my child's world is. If your child it only grows up around white people, that wasn't by accident. That took mm-hmm. years and years and years of very specific social engineering to keep black and brown people out of that community so your kid never sees black people. Yeah. Like none of this stuff happened by accident. And when we when we deny when we say that we want to talk about colorblindness and equality, what we're saying is we're, we're denying that history. We're, right. we're hiding it. And, um, and the, the scariest thing for white parents is that when, when our kids point out to us that they see that, mm-hmm. like when, when, when our kids say, oh, we're on the scary bus. Oh, what are those black people doing here? Mm-hmm. They're pointing out to us that they see it. And we've been told our whole lives, no, pretend like it doesn't exist. Right. But our, our kids, our kids see it and they know it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I had a friend. Yeah. Gosh, thank you. I'm so glad that you're here, Jason. Um, I have a friend who recently talked about equality and equity as equality being everybody getting a pair of the same pair of pants and equity being everybody getting a pair of pants that fits them. Oh, that's much better, Casey. That's much better. Than my <laughs> yeah, yeah. It everybody. really landed. It really landed yeah. for me. You know. Yeah. And that's I'm, much better. I'm yeah, reading, that's fantastic. For some work that I do with with teachers, I'm reading a book. What's it called? Um, culturally responsive classrooms and the brain. 
And do you know that one? No, no, that's oh, fantastic. Put it on your list. It is. And she talks about um, even in our languaging around achievement gap, that mm-hmm. really what's happening is not an achievement gap because there's an assumption there that there's a less than ability to achieve. Mostly, you know, and it shows up with our children of color. I mean, poverty, all these other things come into play, too. But that, you know, when we look at the stats, that's what we see. And she says, actually, this is an opportunity gap. Right, right. You know, and that was it. I had not heard it that way. And it may, you know, and again, it was just one of those places where my perspective got was able to broaden. And, you know, I'm a middle class white woman. Right. Mm-hmm. And I have had, you know, the experiences that I've had and the relationships that I've had. And my lens over the last 43 years has been developed, you know, just like the things you were saying, um, because of the experiences that I've had. And so um, and I'm a mom and I want to take a stand for all people and uh, being willing to to. Say to my friends, my my friends who are people of color, my friends who are black and brown and Hispanic and Muslim, and to just say, like, I know there's I have so much blindness to my blindness in perhaps some of my language or the way I show up in a room or even in the way that I show up in conversation. And so I've asked them to please point it out when they see it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think? That's a really hard thing to do, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> because as soon as this happened just the other night, and as soon as I said it, I, w- I wanted to also say, and be nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the be nice part is, is something that like, I think that all of us could do a little bit better job. I mean, I think that whole blind to our blindness piece shows up in all human experience, right? Oh, man, kind of that. I, I mean, I'm a I'm a I'm a male and my wife is constantly um, telling me about my maleness, how I like stomp around the house, leaving my <laughs> messy maleness everywhere. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't, like, I don't even know. I don't even notice it. I, I mean, I, I grew up with um, my household was pretty traditional. Like my mom never or dad never asked me to do the dishes. I mean, I did male, quote unquote, man chores, like uh, taking out the garbage and um taking care of the yard but like as far as household stuff I never I never touched any of that so it was a rude awakening when I got married and it had this powerful wonderful woman that I have who expected me to clean I had no idea that I wasn't that I was I was like I am cleaning what's, what's the problem <laughs> and like I, I'm just now recognizing that I'm not and it's <laughs> it, it, it's a it's a it's a constant unveiling of privilege right sure. like it, and we all have it we all have our blind spots and being willing to to laugh a little bit about them. Like yeah. the, the worst thing that's happened to this is like everyone is being, you know, Donald Trump doesn't even want to be called a racist. Donald Trump doesn't want to be called a racist. Right. And like where he clearly is, everyone can see it. Yeah. And like this fear, this fear that we have, that white people have of being called racist, it's really, really hurting the conversation, it, like being racist, all it means is that you've been you were born into a society where white supremacy is the norm, mm-hmm. and that is okay. I mean, it's not okay. Like there's something significantly wrong with it, but it doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It just means that you're a human being that has been that has been born into an imperfect world. Yeah. Now we have responsibility to correct it. And to address it, but if we can't even acknowledge it, right. and if 
if we ha- don't even have a willingness to deal with it, then, I mean, then you're part of the problem, quite frankly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I'm, I want to acknowledge, too, that the vast majority of my listeners are white parents. And, you know, they listen to this podcast because at the very most fundamental place, what I talk about with guests is relationship and skill building and, you know, treating each other with dignity and respect. And so with that context in mind, I know listeners, if some of what Jason's talking about is <laughs> making you feel uncomfortable, what a great place to check in, right? What a yeah. great place yeah. to get curious and to lean into that a little bit, because you're absolutely right. It is our responsibility. And I oh God, I saw a meme that said um, something about Oh, I can't re-say it because I can't remember it quite well. But, you know, yes, white privilege is it's a thing. And even if you aren't, you know, and it's really easy to say, what, white privilege? I don't own a fancy car and a fancy house. And, you know, I don't have a lot of money. That's not what white privilege is. Mm -hmm. Right. So can you can we talk a little bit about like what can we unpack white privilege a little bit for listeners in a way that doesn't make us all feel super defensive? (laughs) (laughs) That's all order too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't know about the defensive thing, but I, I'll, I'll do the best that I can. Cool. Um, I, I talk about it in regards to power. Mm-hmm. Um, so everyone has power. Um, I, I think about it in regards to three types of power: situational power, uh, structural power, and individual power. Now, uh, situational power would be um, the power that I have as a black man on your podcast. Right now, I have a good amount of power because my voice is being projected to all of your millions and millions of listeners. Right. Yeah, Um, we'll um, we'll keep that. We'll put that out there. Millions, millions of (laughs) listeners. Uh, Structural power is the power that you have, Casey, as a white woman. Right. Like you have structural power that has been given to you as a middle class white woman. Um, I don't know. You might be a homeowner. You might um, live in a you know relatively nice and safe neighborhood. Um, you might um, have a good rapport with the police. And now structural power is power that is given to you, whether or not you acknowledge it. And it's based upon simple things about how you look, where you live, um, how people perceive you when you're walking down the street. Right. And um, and then we have individuals power. And, and like this is this is these different stories that we have. Now, you might be a white person, dear listener, that comes from uh, an abusive home. And that is a real story. Mm-hmm. And that is a real thing. But that's separate, different and separate from the privilege that you have as a white person. Right. So when we're talking about white privilege. We're talking about the privilege that you have as a white person simply for being white. And nothing else. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't take away from, you know, an individual story that you might have or individual suffering that you have that's very valid and important to your story and to who you are as a person. But it but it does. But what it does say is that, yes, it's it's an acknowledging to say, yes, I have privilege as a white person. Mm -hmm. And um, I talked a little bit about my privilege as a male. Mm -hmm. I have structural privilege as a male. And the worst thing that I can do as a male is to deny that. Because when I deny that is when I am most prone to misuse that privilege. So if we, so in the white person's um, 
example, if a white person denies their white privilege, a white person who denies their white privilege, who doesn't see it, those are the white people that are most prone to do things that are racist, Mm -hmm. to do things that um, are harmful to people of color. So if you don't want to be racist, the, the best way, the fastest way to, to not be racist is just to acknowledge your white privilege, acknowledge your racism and go from there. Right. All right. So can I share something with you? And I'd love to get your feedback on it. Yes. I was having a conversation with my son. He's 11 about white privilege and about the white male. I think there was a there was an amazing video that was going around social media of this. Uh, I think it was a middle school student and he was doing a spoken word about his privilege. And, um, so I was talking to Ian about it and I said, you know, it's like, imagine, you know, there's you and, um, another, you know, there's three babies and one of them is white and one of them is black. Maybe one of them's Hispanic. You know, there's all the different, I just kind of, I think I probably went with black and Hispanic. And I said, so and, and you're all and over your lifetime, you want to get to the top of the ladder. And because you are because the, this baby is white, I said, because you were born white, you get to start on the sixth rung of the ladder. Yeah. Yeah. While everybody starts, else starts at the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. And I yeah. felt like that really I felt like, you know, I mean, of course, everybody listeners, please let me land this. This is not one conversation that we have. Right. We have conversations continuously with our kids, just like. When you talk about sex, when you talk about drugs, which you should be talking about with your kids. Yeah, please do. This same conversation (laughs) is not just an isolated, okay, great, we've talked about it, moving on. Right. Right. But that was a really, that visual for me, I felt pretty good about myself. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Go ahead. Pat yourself (laughs) on the back. That's. But it Casey, was- you're so you're so good at being less convoluted than me. Like yeah, the, the rungs of the ladder. I'm ta- sitting here talking about three types of power. You're talking about rungs of the ladder. Good, well, good job. it's all good. And you you shared that you've been up all night with a baby. So. Oh, yeah. You have yeah, an excuse. Yeah. <laughs> so what about talk a little bit about. So you provide these workshops for parents and you're 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 helping them. Right. You're helping white parents in regards to having these conversations. And I really love that when I said, well, what should I have said in that situation that you were like, I can't tell you because I often will have parents that say, whether it's like a tantrum or defiance in the grocery store or whatever, they'll say, well, what's the right thing to say? And it's not so much about what we say as much as it is how we be, right? Yeah. How we live, how we are. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. So, so how do you support parents in the work that you do around their way of being like, what are, what are some of the, what are some of the conversations that are happening in your workshops? So the thing that we focus on most, um, besides the simple acknowledgement of white privilege, I, I, I can't say enough how much, um, this is, this is starting with work in the parent. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like oh, yep. The, I talked about that too. Yep. Yeah. The, the parent has to start with the work in, 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 in themselves. Yes. Um, because when, um, when you're in a situation and your, your child, um, you know, God forbid, says something racist to a black person's face, which has happened to me plenty of times from, you know, an innocent white kid comes up and says something to me um, like the, it's too late. 
like you, you, you see the results mm-hmm. <laughs> of, of what you're doing. So like starting from, starting from the bottom, like Drake says, starting from the bottom and working, working your way up, right. uh, educating yourself, reading, um, taking some time to really learn the history. Um, Tananashi Coates, um, he writes for the Atlantic. He wrote a great, um, article on, um, reparations, um, for, um, descendants of slaves. Mm-hmm. And, um, in that article, he does a really fantastic job of explaining, going through the history of America and explaining all the different creative creative, amazingly creative ways that white people have thought of to oppress people of color. Mm -hmm. And like reading that and understanding it and seeing it and saying, saying that I have a role in this, because when, when, when we look at these things, like we can get this sense of, um, the problem is so big that I can't do anything about it. And we just want to go lie in the bed with our, or the, yeah. you know, stand on the bed. But when, when we do that, what we're saying is that I don't have any responsibility for the problem and I don't have any responsibility to change it. And that's not true. Mm-hmm. We all have a responsibility in the problem and we all have a responsibility to change it, especially white people, mm-hmm. especially white people. So part A. <laughs> Recognize your role in the problem and your responsibility to fix it. Everyone can do something. Right. Part B, look at the stories that you're telling your children. Um, I, the, the easiest way to do this is looking at the media that where that your kids are, are consuming. Mm-hmm. Um, I talk a lot about media in the workshop is the easiest way to see white privilege and, and, um, in um, society is just to look at your media. Um, and not even just white privilege, but white, wealthy, skinny, good-looking privilege. Oh, oh my God, yes. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I I need to go back in your archives. I hope you have a, a podcast about where we could just, like, dismantle Disney. Cause I would, <laughs> I'll have to have I, you back on for that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I would love to talk just about media because, yeah. like, media is a... a the media that we're allowing our kids to consume is should, sending them very, very clear messages about who's important, who's valuable, whose story is worth telling. And if we only um, feed our children Disney or Star Wars, then that's sending them a really, really clear message, really clear messages. Mm-hmm. And um, so taking a look at our media. Um, I have my daughter watching Sesame Street. I think Sesame Street is a great example of showing black and brown people as whole people. Yeah. Um, it, it's, this, this is about humanity. It's about showing, p- picking stories for our children to see that um, shows black and brown people as whole. Um, I, I mean, like Frozen and Star Wars, they have a diversity in, in, the, in the sense that there's a snowman. Like they have a talking snowman, <laughs> but they can't put any black people in there. Right. I, I mean, like... Star Wars has got tons of aliens, uh, at least the old Star Wars movies. They got tons right. of aliens, but they don't have any black people. Like, <laughs> so like th- there's all of these great, uh, great analogies about race. Like Zootopia is a great analogy about race, but like, uh, but there's nothing where they actually are showing um, racism and race right. in media because it, it, there's this rule. There's this rule in our media that you just don't talk about race. So, I mean, like I could go on and on, like the X-Men, that's a, that's a great example of, um, an, an allegory about race. Mm -hmm. 
but it doesn't directly talk about it. So, um, you know, in the know, white people can um, show that to their kids and go, well, you see, we're talking to our kids about um, <laughs> accepting everyone. Right. But the kids are going to understand what that is, what that's talking about. They're, they're going to get us like, yes, we should upset, uh, accept mutants, people with powers in our society. Right. And if you're watching Zootopia, they'll be like, yes, a bunny can be a police officer. They're not going to see <laughs> that and, and go, yeah, we need to treat black people with respect. The only way that they're going to learn, learn that is by seeing images of black people being treated with respect yeah. and seeing their parents actually treating people with, of color with respect. Yeah. Well, and I've heard you talk about this because I stalked you after you were on my local public radio station. Um, I heard you talking I, and I literally sat in my driveway until your segment was over because I was like, what's this guy's name? I got to get his name. Um but I heard you talking about that there's, you know, the stories that we tell and then like, just like you're saying, and then there's the stories that we live. And the example you gave in the interview that I heard was your daughter um, and living in a in a predominantly white neighborhood. She's probably going to go to a predominantly white school. Right. Am I on the right yeah. track here? And, yep, and yep, what yep, yep. just without even mention without even having big conversations, there's a story. There's a story unfolding mm -hmm. for her just in her experience of living yeah right? who 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 are in the roles of professionals who are in the roles of of helpers and of servers and you know and and being ever more aware and i'm talking to listeners too just that even you know in our you know the whole conversation around well at our house, you know, we have this books and we have conversations about these shows. And yes, great. And where is your child's opportunity to go out and see all different kinds of people doing all different kinds of things? Amen to that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause and it, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know yeah. where that magical place is, but I want to go there. And it's not yeah, magical. Yeah. That is flip. But you know what I mean? Like, I, I would love to have a pediatrician who was a person of color. Everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky, wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking It. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. <laughs> Well, you're, Amy, more of a, we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, Mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? 
And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. I don't yeah. know. I don't know yeah. where they where one is. Yeah, yeah. Well, they exist. Yeah, I mean, sure. it just takes, just takes some. It just takes some effort to find it. I, yeah. I mean, I'm opening a preschool um, so that I can raise my daughter in that magical place awesome. to create a space where um, where people people of color and all people truly are treated with respect mm-hmm. and, and and truly are presented as whole people. I, I mean, like all every every preschool that you that you see is going to have this in their in their mission statement. All we, we treat all people with respect we we value everybody but when you look when you really look at who's in charge there and you really look who's in positions of authority who the lead teachers are and who isn't Mm -hmm. and who is you know doing the dishes Mm -hmm. like it doesn't it doesn't really it, it matters a lot less what we say to our children then it does what our children are seeing. Absolutely. Our, our children see these things and they're coming to conclusions. And, and you know, I, I can't say enough, like, that we are coming to conclusions as well. It's not just our children that are coming to conclusions about these things. We're, we're seeing these stories, too. Sure. To say that these, that these stories only have an impact upon our children and not on us is a lie, too. Yeah. We, we, like, these stories are having impacts upon us, too. It, it's, it's, it's not only is it harmful to the black and brown and, and Asian American soul, it's, 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 it's a, a malady on the white soul as well. Like we, we really need to create a society where everyone is valued and, and everyone isn't right now. And, and if we can't even acknowledge that, then we're never going to solve the problem. Right. And I have a quote that I would love to read and, and play with a little bit um, from from Dr. King's letter from a Birmingham jail. Everyone's. Um, Everybody's everybody's read it. Um, uh, Thank you for letting me bring an MLK quote on, Jason. I appreciate it. Um, But it's and it's just a segment of it. But I think it's really powerful, especially considering where we're at right here, right now in the course of history. And it goes, we who engage in nonviolent direct action are not the creators of tension. We merely bring to the surface the hidden tension that is already alive. We bring it out in the open where it can be seen and dealt with like a boil that can never be cured so long as it is covered up, but must be opened with all its ugliness to the natural medicines of air and light. Injustice must be exposed with all the tension that exposure creates to the light of human conscious and the air of national opinion before it can be cured. So, yep. yeah, does that I mean, that totally is, speaks to what's happening right now. Yeah. Donald Trump is one big, ugly boil, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. Yeah. Um, and, and and so so it's like, yes, yes. So how do we tend? And it's like, um, you know, I have a really good friend that facilitates really powerful transformational workshops. And she says often when there is a wound, we focus on the wound instead of the opening. 
Hmm. Right. And I think yeah. that we there's like, yes, yes. And I had a, actually another friend who was in Washington, D.C. for the well, she didn't go to the inauguration. She was there for the march, but she was there on the day of the inauguration. And one and her Uber driver, a black man, said, you know what? This is good because yeah. when you're sick, you want the symptoms to be obvious so that treatment can be created to get you healthy. Right. Right. And so now we've got we're sick and the symptoms, I mean, they're at the surface. Yeah. You know, and so, yes, great. So now it's the work of treatment to get back to a place of health. Yeah. Or or to get to a place. I mean, it's not even a coming back to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's always been a problem. Right. It's, It's always been a problem. And we've we I mean. Part of the problem with the lionization of like Martin Luther King and and Barack Obama is that it gives white people an American occasion to pat themselves on the back for like supporting these these lions, these these, these exceptional um, figures in the civil rights of, you know, in American history and civil rights. So they'll go, oh, if we like Martin Luther King and Barack Obama, then like this is proof that we're not racist and that we don't have anything to deal with. So. Like, yeah, clearly the last three or four months have shown us a different. Yeah, it's shown us it's shown us a different story. And yeah. and like and I can't emphasize enough how we all have a role to play in this, yeah. how we all as parents, especially as parents, especially that you have a role, you have a role to play. You have a role in the problem and you have a role in the solution. So like both things need to be acknowledged. Mm -hmm. We we need to acknowledge our role in the problem and we need to acknowledge our role in the solution. Now, like what's going to happen is go um, they're going to people are going to go, well, I don't know. I don't understand my role in the solution. Well, think about your role in the problem. That, that could be a good start. Um, where is your child going to school? Are, are you are you being a squeaky wheel about diversity in your in your elementary school? Um, like, I think one of the one of the sad things about my program, for example, and I'm not saying this as a commercial at all, that I've done a lot of um, programs in in churches and for parents, but mm-hmm. I haven't done a lot in elementary schools. So uh, our teachers are, um, I, I love teachers. My mom is a teacher. My, like I come from a family of educators. So please do not take this as me criticizing teachers, Mm -hmm. but our teachers don't have the tools to be able to, um, have conversations about, um, about critical race theory and race and the impact that it's having on children of color. And parents are, especially white parents, especially white mothers are, fantastic people to be squeaky wheels to getting our our teachers educated about how to talk to our children about race within the context of the school. That's just an, that's just one example of things that a, that a, that a mother can do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, making sure that you go out of your way to, um, to impact your children's media is mm-hmm. an example of something that you're, that you can do. Um, Making sure, you know, it's just little things like yeah. it, when, when, when you when you become woke, as we say, mm-hmm. when you become awake to the problems of racism in our society or woke, then when you see the problems of, of, of racist societies, like it's going to be you don't have to fight every battle, but pick your battles. Mm-hmm. 
you know, maybe when you're at a restaurant and you just so happen to notice that all of the servers are white and all of the cooks are black, maybe point that out. Just go, hey, I, you know what I noticed? I noticed that all the cooks are people of color in the back and all your servers are white. And, and like, it's going to it's going to be hella uncomfortable. It's going to be super uncomfortable. Like, you're going to feel uncomfortable. The, the server is going to feel uncomfortable. Everybody's going to be uncomfortable. But it's revealing that boil yeah. that Dr. King is talking about. And if it is never revealed, um, there's this there's this thing that they say silence is violence. When mm. we don't speak up, when we don't say anything. Um, what we're telling society and what we're telling our children is that things are okay the way that they are. And, and they're not, they're not, they're not. So like we have to, everyone has to do their part. Everyone has to speak up. Everyone has to become woke or awake to the problems of racial inequity and racial injustice. And, 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 you know, start by speaking up. Yeah. Start by um, supporting supporting programs like mine, Kids at Race. Like start there, – there's a place to start. I, I, I'm really encouraged by the amount of people that have come to me like you, Casey, and um, other people that have come to me and said that they want to be a part of what we're doing. Yeah. My, my program is not the only one that's out there, but um, there's lots of programs that are out there. There's lots of ways to be a part of it. But like – you know, reaching out. I mean, like there's, there's so much work to be done on this and I, trust me, I'm exhausted. I, it, it's, it's an exhausting thing to do, to be a part of. I have a team of people that are working with me, a, a, a wonderful team of people, but it, it's, you know, even with that team, it's exhausting. And there's always, there's always something that can be done. So uh, like saying that I don't know what to do, saying that um, I don't know where to start, it's a cop-out. Like, don't right. don't allow yourself to 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 get into that place of not not saying that I don't know what to do, because there is something that you can do. There's something that everyone can do. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. even in this conversation that I had the other night with um, two lovely ladies and, you know, they one of them got pretty fired up telling me about like, well, if you're going to be an ally, you know, don't do this, do this. And I said, thank you. Yes. Give me more information, because, again, Blind to my blindness. So listeners, my advice to you is ask, like, just be really authentic and vulnerable and, 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 you know, go to people in your life and saying, this is on my mind. This has been on my mind for a few years now, Jason. Well, a long, lot longer than that, but especially with my kids and really uncomfortable with how white our world, my particular personal world is. And just like, how can I, how can I shift things so that my, you know, so that we're all growing into a world that where people value each other, right? And yeah. it has nothing to do with the color of our skin or our sexual orientation or our income. It's simply we are all human beings and we're all deserving of equal dignity and respect. And and there's a lot of shit that we need to fix and get right. And I'm, I'm on board. I'm on board. Yay. 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 So Yay. I always, I always end with the same question and I would love to hear, I'm so excited to ask you, especially in the context of this um, kids and race conversation. And my last question to you is, you know, that my business is called joyful courage, or maybe you don't, but it is. So what does joyful courage mean to you? Well, talking to your kids about race in a joyful way with a smile on your face. Um, there's a lot of, um, 
negativity and rage, rightly so, around this conversation. And I, in my workshops, really try to have people leave with a smile on their face. Like Mm -hmm. this is this is like it's never fun to, you know, learn that we're unintentionally teaching our kids to be racist. Like no one wants to hear that. Like that's not fun. But, you know, what is fun is having a role in solving a big problem, like feeling feeling like you have that you have power. That's fun. That's that's good news. And and there's a lot of joy in that. And it takes courage to acknowledge that there's that we have a blind spot, Mm -hmm. that there's that there's something that I can do better and to, you know, boldly go where, you know, very few white people have gone before. It, it is it takes courage. Yeah. So and it takes joyful courage. I can't say enough how important it is to be joyful in what what it is that we're doing. Um, so go forth joyfully, like be happy about it. Have some fun, smile, laugh, because it, 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 this is a long haul. And if yeah. we're always miserable about it, then we're never going to get where we need to be. And now now like uh, one more thing I want to say is yeah. that. Not all black people are going to be excited about white people jumping on board and, and solving this problem. And they, they've got a good argument. They're going to say they say that when white people come along, they tend to want to take charge and mm-hmm. control things and everything. And when 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 white people hear this, when, you know, when they're first going into it and they get some pushback from somebody on Facebook saying like, no, you're white, you, you're not allowed to do this. Don't let that stop you. Listen to the listen to the critique. Listen to the criticism. You're getting a little bit of what it's like to be a person of color in this world. Mm-hmm. Just a little. You're just getting a small taste of it. So, like, you know, use that as an access point to empathy mm-hmm. and keep going. Know that that one black person that's criticizing your effort is not a monolith. That one black person isn't isn't speaking for all black people. Right. Your efforts are a small step in solving a larger problem. So, um, yeah, just keep going. Press Thank on. you. Thank you for that invitation. Now, I'm sure that there's people listening that want to know more about you, maybe want to get in touch and follow your work. How can people find you and follow you, Jason? Um, well, first, I want to talk about Columbia City Preschool of Arts and Culture. Yeah, do it. We are enrolling now. Um, it's a brand new social justice based program. And we're now enrolling for this spring and the upcoming school year. Uh, for more information, go to ColumbiaCityPreschool.org. Um, and then we also have a Kids and Race event. We, we do a lot of these. Um, Kids and Race Changing the Narrative. Our next one is March 11th here in Seattle at Epiphany Parish. And you can get your tickets uh, on brown paper tickets. And um, for more information, if you would like me to come and speak or do anything like that, you can email kidsandrace at gmail.com. Also, uh, I want to give a shout out to the Well Clean Hand. Uh, they pay my salary, and there's a great organization that brings um, large speakers and um, focus on focuses on contemplative action and social justice. So check out the WellCleanAnd.org, and um, there's also a little button on there that says Kids and Race. You can click on that, and I've got some writings on power and oh, on um, and on. Uh, talking your, to your kids about race, um, where I lay out, um, what I will do, what I would do if I were talking to my child about race. Awesome. Um, 
it's, it's frequently the last thing that I like to tell people because I really like people to come up with their own solutions. But um, there are some resources resources on that website as well. And so click around. Great. There's a lot so of great, great things there. And listeners that aren't in the Pacific Northwest, just know that today is gorgeous and it's like 70 degrees in the sun and Jason is outside in his backyard, which is why we just got to hear the airplane that flew by. But we have to celebrate the warm weather. When it I know we got to celebrate up. it when we get it. Yeah. Oh, 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 Casey, I really want to take this program out of Washington State. So, awesome. if you're, so if you're not if you're not in Washington State and you're interested in the program, shoot me an email. Let's figure something out. It's a goal of mine to get the program out of the state by the end of the year. I don't know if it can happen, but dreams do come true. Dreams come true. And my listeners are all over the world. So there you go. Hope your family's ready for you to do some traveling. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so, so much for taking time to come on. Thank you. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. So, wow. Right. What a incredible, honest, real conversation that was with my friend Jason. I'm so grateful that he came on and talked to me and that this podcast exists to share conversations like that with so many people. Uh, when I think about the power and the impact that this show has, I get really excited. I get really excited because my vision, um, my vision for the world is for it to be a place where people feel seen and heard, for the world to be a place of connection and love where everyone is able to live out their highest possibility. And this vehicle, this podcast is a a vehicle really to support that vision. And uh, many of you know that last month there were some goals set around downloads. And this month, February, I have a new goal for downloads. And when I see the downloads of the shows, of any particular show, climbing and increasing, I get so excited because I see all the children that are impacted by the parents who listen in and have the show resonate, right? Resonate to them and say, wow, this is the space that I want to create for my kids. This is the parent that I want to be. And these are the tools I'm going to use to get me there. So when I talk about increasing the downloads of the podcast, I, I just want to say what an honor it is to know that the reach is um, getting ever greater because I'm in it for the kids, right? Impact 1 million kids, not because I want to be able to say I did, but because a million kids, right? This world is a, is a tough world. And the more that we can be focused on creating loving, caring spaces in our homes where children know what it feels like to be treated with dignity and respect and then move out into their worlds and treat people that way, the better our world becomes. And um, and if this podcast can make any 
any kind of uh, movement towards that kind of world, awesome. I'm stoked about that. So again, as usual, if you've listened in and, and, and you've thought to yourself, wow, this is a really powerful conversation. This is a conversation, you know, that this person or that person or, or this group of people should hear, then please share it. Like put it out there, start real conversations with people about what Jason and I were talking about, about, about privilege, about race, about how to increase diversity in our life and increase understanding and meeting people where they're at. Um, let the podcast be a vehicle for that. That's just so exciting to me. It's so exciting to me. I would love it um, if you could be a part of, of making that impact on the world because you can. We all have the power to make an impact. So what are you going to do to make an impact today? All right. And, and here's another thing you can do. So um, I have a goal of inspiring and empowering people to feed 3,000 hungry people by the end of March. Um, locally here in Monroe, I have partnered with Grow With Me Boutique. If you are anywhere near Monroe and you don't know about Grow With Me Boutique, it's a sweet little mom and kids consignment store run by my friend Janae Hoskins. And it's an awesome place. And she's really committed to um, making less of an impact on the environment and um, supporting families and supporting moms. And she was a huge yes when I asked her if she wanted to partner around feeding 3,000. So if you're local to this area, just know that Janae's got a box at Grow With Me Boutique that is there to collect donations. We're putting together bags of snacks. So a couple weeks ago, Rowan and I, or about a week ago, we went to Costco, spent 50 bucks, got juice boxes and trail mix and little individual beef jerky packs and fruit snacks, and something else. I can't remember what it was. But any little individually packed snack items, right? There's a plethora of that at Costco. And we put together 25 bags and are taking it down to our local organization that works with families and people in transition to share with hungry people. And my guess is you – Wherever you are, whatever town you're in, many of you are in the States. Some of you are in other parts of the world. Wherever you live, my guess is there's an organization in your community that is in support of the people in your community that are living on the edge, that do have hunger pains, that do feel the colds when the sun goes down and they don't have anywhere to sleep. And so my invitation to you is to rally your troops, right? Rally your troops. Invite your other parent friends over, have them bring their kids, have every person bring one thing, right? Like, you know, one snack item and put together some bags and um, share it with your community. Take it to those community centers where they can pass it out and make a difference in the lives of others. And then because goals need to be measurable, if you do do this, when you do do this, go over to the Feed 3000 event page and share it with us so that we know where it's happening. We can be inspired by you. You could inspire someone else to say, oh, yeah, you know, I heard about that. And now I'm seeing other people do it, so I'm going to do it too. Um, I invite you into that. 
again, I invite you into making an impact on the world, making a positive impact on the world. And I've said this before, I can't tell you how many parents come to me talking about how um, how frustrating it is when they feel like their kids don't show gratitude or show signs of being entitled. Well, the best way to um, to nurture gratitude, to kind of move beyond entitlement and into gratitude is to give your kids opportunities to be in service to other human beings. And this is a great this is a great way to do it. So I invite you into Feed 3000. I invite you into helping me make an impact with the podcast. Um, I invite you into community. If you're a listener and maybe this is your first show and you don't know about Live in Love with Joyful Courage Facebook group, that's a place that's a really safe and supportive community online space that um, parents are showing up and sharing and asking for support and getting really positive feedback and helpful feedback. And I would love to invite all of you that are listening, if you're not already a part of that community, to jump in and jump in. Yeah. Um, And the finally, see, I'm saving my monologue for the end. So those of you that are still listening, you are my diehards and I love you. Uh, the, The last thing I want to tell you about, I'm super excited. Next week is Valentine's Day, right? So my show on Tuesday is with my amazing friend, Mary Jo, and we are talking about bringing back the romance. I'm really excited for to share my show that I recorded with her with all of you for Valentine's Day. But then the three days following Valentine's Day, I'm actually offering a mini mindfulness summit. So I have three returning guests, Jivan, Jivan Carrasco, um, and Sarah Harvey Yao and Molly Knight Ford. They're each going to have their own little mini episode. They're going to come on. We're going to talk about meditation, developing a meditation practice, what meditation is, what it isn't, um, kind of the step-by-step pieces of meditation. And, and then each day they will guide um, guide us through a meditation, like a 10-minute meditation. So that is because so often we, what I'm noticing in my work with parents is we talk about mindfulness, we talk about meditation, and uh, many of us are just kind of winging it. So I thought, hey, you know what? I've got this great way to reach people, um, and it's called the podcast. So they're going to come on and do a mini mindfulness summit for us. But here is the catch. You can only listen to the mini summit if you are a subscriber to the show. So the only place that those episodes are going to show up is in the, um, if you're a subscriber. So that means if you listen on your phone and you have a little podcast app and the shows automatically show up, you are a subscriber. If you are currently listening to podcasts through a link on the website that takes you to my website, you are not necessarily a subscriber. And all you got to do to become a subscriber is to go into iTunes and search for the Joyful Courage podcast. You'll see the little icon. You click on the show icon. You'll see it. It'll say Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast and there'll be me. And then you just hit the purple subscribe button. So if you have any questions, please ask in the community or chime in in the link um, or in the comments under wherever you found the show, and I'm happy to support you. 
because you're not going to want to miss that. It's going to be really fun. And they're they're going to be short, like 20 minutes each, right? Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday will be the mini mindfulness summit for subscribers. And I just really hope that you tune in for that because it's going to be really powerful. All right. So for all of you that reached out and said, I love your monologue. Don't worry about it being so long. This um, 11 plus minute monologue (laughs) post show, this is for you. And everybody else who said, you know, you could shorten it up at the beginning. This is also for you because I saved it till the end. And if you are still with me at the end, God bless you. I really appreciate you. Big, huge love to all of you. Um, I hope that the sun is shining wherever you are, and I can't wait to be with you again next week. Have a beautiful day. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not gonna tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.